Hello, hi there, and welcome Bobcat and Rattler fans to another wonderful edition of Claws to the Wall. This week we got plenty to talk about with Texas State soccer, volleyball, Texas State football, Rattler football, and even NFL and college football madness. Before I do any of that, i got to introduce my wonderful <laughs> co-host that I have with me today. Well, obviously this is Justin Brown in your ear, but I'm joined with the wonderful Kobe Jackson, Paxton Graff, and Colton Gibson here on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. But yeah, let's start with some Texas State soccer. Um, the past weekend, Texas State soccer got their first conference win, and that was against the Arkansas State Red Wolves in San Marcos, and they won that game 2-1. to one. This marks Steve Holman's first conference win with this Bobcat team and as his first year as the head coach of the soccer team, and we've seen amazing things this season. They've had the best start they have ever had in program history. They beat Rice for the first time in over 20 years, and now they lead oh with a 1-0 start in conference play. What are y'all's thoughts on Steve Holman's soccer team, and what do they need to do to continue this conference wins? Yeah, the Bobcat soccer team is just really beating teams on both sides of this, the ball, both sides of the field, whatever you want to say. Uh, offensively, you know, Zoe Jr., team leading fourth, four goals. She got her fourth one uh, in that win against the Red Wolves. Um, Olivia Wright and Zoe Jr. both had the goals in that game. Uh, but defensively, Kaylin Chrisman had nine saves in that game alone, which is uh, her career high. And she really, you know, uh, had the Bobcats defensively there, um, even though they got outshot both in shots and shots on goal. Uh, she she saved the Bobcats quite literally from allowing all those goals and, you know, took Steve Holman to his first conference win here at Texas State. Yeah, and uh, Colton, I completely agree, especially, uh, you know, considering the fact this is their first game in conference. And, you know, when you go into conference play, no matter what um, one conference you're in, whether if it's SEC, Sunbelt, Big 12, it conference, you know, conference play is tough because they're, you know, much stronger teams. But, you know, the Bobcats kind of really showed that they can beat they can beat anybody. I know the one loss and one tie kind of, you know, ruins the record a little bit, but. You know, uh, it's a great start for them going into conference play and, you know, trying to try and build momentum to, you know, eventually get to, you know, the NC, uh, the tournament, uh, Sunbelt tournament, and then could possibly end up in, you know, the NCAA tournament. So uh, it's a good start for them uh, for uh, against Arkansas State two to one. And, uh, you know, an another great win for the Bobcats. Yeah, I have high hopes for this team as far as the remainder of the season. Uh, it's been a great one so far, but like I said last week, I expect this team to really just win on out in conference play. It is a tough conference. I'm not saying it's a weak conference, but this mm -hmm. is a really good team, mm -hmm. and uh, they've got nine more games left until conference tournament time. I think they can go 9-0, and so far they're 1-0 since I, I said last week as far as them winning on out. But another thing that I want to point out is they, they've done great so far, but they kind of lacked recently on defense. If you look at their first five matchups, they only allowed two points out of those first five. And these past four or five, four or five games, they've allowed seven points. 
So that just tells you, really, defensive-wise, they've kind of slowed it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, granted, they've gone against really tough teams these past four or five games. Yeah. Uh, but still, you got you got to really make up on that. But offensively, they've been phenomenal so far. They really need to keep it up. So I'm excited to, for them in the next coming games to see how they'll play. Yeah, Paxton, you talk about defensively. Uh, and I mentioned Kalen Chrisman with a uh, career-high nine saves in that last game which uh, yesterday at 2 p.m. she was announced the Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Week with those nine saves, and that makes her the fifth Bobcat to ever receive that award and the first one to do it since Betha G did it last year. Uh, So, you know, Chrisman, great performance, and I think she's really cementing herself as the top goalkeeper for the Bobcats. And, you know, Coach Holman's got to feel really confident having her in the net defending. 100% he's feeling confident with her defending, and she really does deserve that award as she, you know, held many teams to no scores at all in those first five games. And now, you know, they're starting conference play, and you need Caitlin Chrisman in the goal, especially to play that defense. Now, their next game will be in Statesboro, Georgia. It's going to be an away game, and it's going to be a conference game against Georgia Southern Eagles, and that will be September 22nd at 6 p.m. But we will be taking a transition into another Texas State team, one team that had a Horned Frog Invitational is where they were the previous weekend, and they came out of that 2-1, to one, and that's the Texas State volleyball team. They did pretty good. Janelle Fitzgerald out there getting amazing kills, and Emily DeWalt showing everyone up with 60 assists. What were y'all's thoughts on this Horned Frog Invitational, and what did y'all see from this volleyball team? What a, what a great way to you know finish off tournament season and go into conference play, beating two really good teams in Abilene Christian and TCU. And then, you know, other than that first set in the Alabama game, there was a lot of good volleyball played there. And there was just so much to take away from the weekend with Abilene Christian. Emily DeWalt had 60 assists, her second highest total in her career. And the Alabama loss, you still got to see Janelle Fitzgerald pass 1,500 career kills, making her the third person to do that. And then even in the TCU game, you know, I talked about this on BCR on Monday, uh, Maggie Walsh, the freshman, we talked about her last week on Claws to the Wall. Uh, and her older brother played quarterback at TCU, but she um, hmm. recorded a new career high, five kills. So lots of good stuff to take away, and they've got to feel confident going into conference play. Yeah, no doubt. And, and like, you know, we talked about this kind of before uh, before we got started. Uh, you know, tournament play, you know, it's kind of like a step, like a like a startup for, you know, any season where for, for volleyball and you know, tournaments can be tough and they can be agony sometimes because, you know, you're playing in, you know, different places. Even though Tech State only had one uh, tournament he- that was here, and, you know, they've been, you know, all over, you know, all over the map. But they managed to – they played pretty well, I would say, in the tournament. I know, uh, you know, eight and four, I mean, that's n- not bad considering the fact of, you know, all the games that you had, you know, going on in the tournament. But now it's a different ball game now because, you know, now we're starting to get into conference play and – you know, now it's starting to get to the nitty gritty. So to me, I really see this this volleyball team having great success in the uh, in conference play. So you know, let's see what happens. You know, maybe the Bobcats can possibly pull a stunner out of out of everybody all across the world. Yeah, I uh, I got to watch the TCU matchup, and uh, one thing that I really noticed is Janelle Fitzgerald just went off. She she had twenty one kills and. You know, pardon my pun, but she killed it. I mean, she did phenomenal <laughs> as far as that. Um, I'm a sucker for puns. <laughs> but it was a it was a really fun game to watch. I mean, they they really pretty much dominated the Horn Frogs. 
and then also Emily DeWalt, I mentioned it last week on BCR, uh, she really deserves an NIL deal from DeWalt Power Tools. I mean, she's doing a phenomenal job. She deserves recognition like that. Um, but really, uh, going into conference play now, focus on these, what I like to call a dynamic duo in DeWalt and Fitzgerald. They've played wonderful so far throughout their opening matchups, and uh, I expect them to really just continue to shine throughout conference play. And going back to how I started off close to the wall this year, they are on the road for revenge. They're on the road, go back to conference championship and win it. So expect them now, that's conference play, expect them to shine off. Yes, they are going to be shining, and they are going to be playing their hardest against conference play this year, and Sean Hewitt is exciting. I mean, it's, it's very exciting. To, you know, when we looked at their performance against Hawaii and we looked at the other previous tournaments, they've done great things. And the reason because of that is Emily DeWalt. Emily DeWalt just recently in that Horn Frog Invitational won her 21st, and that is not a typo, and that is not a, mis, a, a mispronunciation. 21st setter of the week award from the Sun Belt, and that is huge. And just as you mentioned, this DeWalt Power Tool has had a huge impact on this team, and she, for Sean Hewitt, has definitely provided some great wins and 60 assists, as you mentioned, when they played, um, you know, when they played Abilene Christian. So some great performance from the volleyball team this previous weekend. They will be starting conference play September 22nd, Thursday at 6 p.m. in Monroe, Louisiana, and they will have the next game right after that on Friday at 2 p.m. in Monroe, Louisiana. You can check that series out. Um, there may be coverage of that on ESPN+, Plus, but unfortunately we will not be able to get coverage of that on KTSW. But we'll be taking a transition to another sport, and that sport is football. And... One team, the Texas State football team, unfortunately didn't come away with the wins that the soccer team and the volleyball team did. Mm -hmm. They unfortunately lost 42-7 to against the Baylor Bears as they went to Waco last weekend. I wanted to hear y'all's thoughts on what made this game a 42-7 to loss and what do the Bobcats need to do for their next home game. Well, I mean, and I watched the whole game after, uh, you know, from start to finish. Um, I actually stopped watching it after Baylor scored, you know, their final touchdown of the game. But um, the one thing, if you look at the stats and if you look at the game, the stats really kind of, uh, I mean, kind of matches the game. But honestly, if you look at the stats, Lane Hatcher honestly didn't didn't do too bad. And I was actually kind of, you know, kind of surprised. But, you know, the Bobcats defense was just just not there. Because of the obviously because of the mouth. I'll put it this way. The first half, it was a totally different. I was, you know, the saying, you know, a tail between two halves. That's kind of basically what what this game was, because it was 14 to seven at the end of the half. And then all of a sudden it was now 42 to seven at the end of the game, which really kind of defines it. But I mean, Lane Hatcher, he didn't do too bad. He only missed on, uh, I believe, 12 passes over 180 yards passing one touchdown, no interceptions. So and then I but he did get sacked a lot. I believe he got sacked about five or six times, I believe, in this game. But other than that, the passing game was was actually pretty decent, but the running game was just was just not there at all. And then obviously, you know, Bobcats defense did all they could do, even though they were on the field a lot. So I'm pretty sure they were like pretty tired and pretty gassed uh, and everything. So but you know, they will they'll, I'm pretty sure they'll learn from this. You know, it was one of those games where you gotta kind of gotta really work where it's mo where it's most needed. And to me, it's going to be probably this defensive that this defense that needs a lot of work. But other than that, it was an interesting, interesting game for the Bobcats. Yeah, it definitely was. I, I got to watch 
that game as well. And a couple things that I noticed is we really just kept shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, we we were doing wonderfully, or excuse me, Texas State was doing wonderfully uh, as far as offensively until we hit the red zone, and then we just forgot how to play football, it seemed mm-hmm. like. And then whenever we got ourselves in those situations, we would get to fourth down, and then Spavadol was like, you know what, let's go for it, which I – I, I love the gutsy calls. I love yeah, them. I do too. But when you're one for four on fourth downs, I mean, <laughs> there's got to you got to reach a point where you're like, all right, look, this is not working out. Let's mm-hmm. go for the field goal. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of the things. The next thing is, yeah, you're talking about looking at the stat sheet. It honestly was even as far as the passing game. The rushing game is really where it separates. I mean, we had yeah. uh, Texas State had 82 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baylor had seven yards shy of 300 yards. They had 293 yards. So yeah. that just shows you the difference. And then Calvin Hill, I mean, he went off last week. He had yeah. 195 yards. This week he had 41 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, uh, uh, Baylor's running back, Richard Reese, looked more like Calvin Hill last week. He had 156 mm-hmm. yards this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, defensively they really played – phenomenal in the first I'm not going to say phenomenal but they played pretty good in the first half but second half it's like they disappeared and I think that when that really killed us was the last play for Baylor in the first half Mm -hmm. it was a fourth and two and there was probably you know just under a minute left in the first half and they went for it they did a little RPO and Blake Shapin kept it himself took it 30 plus yards to the house and you could just see the mentality of the bob catches it just went away from there and mm-hmm. i mean that second half it's like we didn't even want to show up so uh it'll be interesting to see this week going against the huskies offensively yes you need to get slightly better but more focus on your uh rushing attack and your defense yeah i don't know if y'all realize about me yet but uh i'm a kind of a sucker for finding the small victories and things like this mm-hmm. and a big loss um you know you talked about lane hatcher with 186 yards passing but that was to mainly Ashton Hawkins, mm-hmm. which I I love this duo so far. Ashton Hawkins in this game had a program record 13 receptions. And I think 11 of them came in the first half. And that was for 114 yards and a touchdown. That would be his fourth touchdown of the season. And I think, you know, this is this is a really exciting duo to, you know, keep track of, especially when we're not facing, you know, kind of big powerhouses like mm-hmm. Baylor. Um, you know, they take on the Huskies this week. HBU are, are now named uh, Houston Christian University, um, <laughs> but I think it's a it's a much better matchup for the Bobcats. Obviously, um, like I said on, on BCR on Monday, though, I just hope you know taking on an FCS school, mm-hmm. no no incarnate word losses. I want to kind of go back to uh, the fourth down stuff. So looking at this, the text the Bobcats went for it on fourth down four times. They've only completed one mm-hmm. out of the four which really tells the story. It really kind of tells the story of this game, to be honest. But but like I said earlier, you know, they'll, they'll see the film. They'll look at the mistakes because mostly it mostly relied on their defense. Uh, often, I mean, offense still does need a little work, but mostly it's mostly uh, defensively. And one thing I uh, also want to say is you're talking about Ashton Hawkins. I mean, he had roughly, I think it was 11 receptions in the first half out of 13 so that means he had two receptions in the whole second half I mean you saw how dominant he was in the first half why do you let off the gas at mm-hmm. that point you see how well I mean he was practically carrying our offense and you're like yeah, yeah 
instead of him, let's focus on someone else. Well, that someone else is not working. Mm-hmm. And so please just go back to him. It was working the first half. Y'all actually scored a point. Meanwhile, in the second half, y'all did it. So I don't really know what the coaching decision was there. Um, it didn't really make sense to me personally, but I mean, that's why I'm not on the sidelines, <laughs> but, uh, so just something like that, that that's something that kind of keeps me up and wondering, you know, why you guys all provided great reasons on, on why, I mean, um, I mean, great things to, to, to shine light on and what they need to improve this next game. And many of y'all must be wondering, well, when is the next game? Well, the next game is going to be September 24th. This Saturday at 6 p.m. at home in the Bobcat Stadium. That is actually going to be Youth Football Day. Apparently, hey, so go. You know, if you have any kids. youth, bring them to the stadium. It's a great way to get them into football early on. Love the kids. Maybe man. one day they might be in a studio making a podcast. One day, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> um, but yes, they'll be playing the Houston Baptist Huskies at 6 p.m. in the Bobcat Stadium. So definitely tune into that, and that'll be on KTSW 89.9 and ESPN Plus. So definitely check that out if you can't make it to the Bobcat Stadium. I think it will also be taco uh, day. It is. I think they're giving out tacos, Ooh. so make sure Texas you get State your free tacos. Get the free tacos. Now there is no excuse on why you should not show <laughs> up the Bobcats. You should have 30,000 plus there getting those free tacos. I expect to see some tacos being eaten. I expect to eat a taco, hopefully. Um, but yes, <laughs> one game, I don't know why we're talking about tacos, but uh, w- this reminds me of just one game that I saw last week. Uh and, and it was a football game, and it was a football game for a high school team. Mm. And a high school team scored 63 points, and that was no other than the San Marcos Rattlers. And the San Marcos Rattlers... 65. 65. Oh, my correction. You're, you're a safety away. I'm a safety <laughs> I, I see. 63 is such an unfathomable number. I can't imagine 65 <laughs> is the wrong... I apologies, guys. 65... Um, great, great, huge win for the Rattlers, and you can't give that credit to anyone else besides this just powerful offense. And and I just wanted to hear y'all's thoughts on this game. I know uh, you definitely got some great info on that, Colton, of some touchdowns that were scored by some individual players of the Rattlers. But what are y'all's thoughts on this this big win for the Rattlers, and how are they gonna, you know, what are they gonna have to carry into this this next game they're playing next Friday, their their homecoming game against Eagle Pass? It, it was great offensive showing. Uh, Isaiah DeLeon gave Tony Diaz two touchdowns. Jake Rodriguez-Schultz had two touchdowns. You know, I think they had a pick six. They did well on special teams. Just a a great all-around win. And, you know, that came after that tough loss last week. So a good bounce back. I'm just trying to figure out when the Rattlers are going to be able to string a few wins together back to back. They've they've done great at taking a loss and analyzing it and then heading into the next week prepared, but they have not yet been able to win two in a row. So I think that's the next step, you know, for the for the Rattler football team. Yeah, um going up with this game against Eagle Pass, it's going to be a tough one. Uh unfortunately this last game because it was in Laredo, we weren't able to call it, we weren't able to travel to it. And so we don't know official numbers as far as passing yards or rushing yards, but I can tell you, I know that Isaiah DeLeon went off because he's he's their really their only quarterback, and the fact that he had at least roughly, it sounds like, four passing touchdowns, it's a great look for him. But going up against Eagle Pass, Eagle Pass is a different team. They're currently mm-hmm. undefeated, 4-0, um, and you know I was looking at it. Their previous games, they're averaging roughly 48 points on offense, uh, and then they're only averaging 12 point, giving up 12 points on defense. So they are a great all-around team, and San Marcos is known to, I'm not going to say underperform, but somewhat not show up mm-hmm. with really good teams. I mean, I witnessed it last year with Lake Travis and Westlake, kind of witnessed it this year against Hutto. 
Uh, now, granted, those are wonderful programs, but this is going to be a tough game. It's not. It may not be Lake Travis or Westlake, but it's still a really good team. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious to see how their defense goes against this really high-powered offense. And I'm see. I'm curious to see how Jaden Brown and Isaiah DeLeon will do against this really good defense. Uh, so it will be a it will be fun one to watch. I will be calling it with Kyle Lowen as well. So I'm excited to watch it and call it. So. Uh, make sure y'all go out and support the Rattlers. 100%, Paxson. Yep, it'll be live on air on KTSW 89.9. It'll probably be on around 7.20. That is when the pregame show will start. So tune into that on KTSW 89.9 Friday, uh, September 23rd, as they'll be playing against the Eagle Pass Eagles at their home game, at their first, I mean, their their homecoming game this year. So it'll be interesting to see if the Rattlers can get a win. But, guys... That's our wrap-up of San Marcos and Texas State sports, and we're going to be taking a transition into national sports. Um, One of the biggest sports that everyone's talking about is the NFL, and us in here as well, and we saw an amazing weekend and some unexpected games, some games that we may have not thought were going to go a certain way. There was a Ravens lead that was somehow deleted (laughs) by Tua on the Dolphins, and we saw Cooper Rush on the Cowboys now he runs the team. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts? Da- <laughs> now that's just a controversial, controversial hot take. But what are y'all's thoughts? Wait, this what, past so week, past weekend? what was? Let, let me Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush owns the Cowboys. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think Jerry. Might okay. Have a, oh, yeah, I think Jerry Jones that. might have a little bit of say in that. You know, I'm um, not a Cowboys fan. So. <laughs> um, first off, I I just want to start off by saying between Miami and Baltimore, that was a stunner, if if ever, because. The Ravens had the win had the win in their ha- palm of their hands, and there was two receivers by the nickname of Cheetah and by the name of the Penguin, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, both speed kills in the second half, both having two touchdowns apiece. Tua Tagovailoa, who is now officially leading the NFL in passing yards, officially as of today, and. I was really kind of surprised because honestly, I really thought the Ravens were going to blow them out and they were until the second half just told a different story. So, but I mean, that was the stunner for me because, uh, and what's crazy is, is that previously, and I know Paxton, I know you were probably still here, uh, Colton, you weren't here, but uh, during last semester, I predicted that the Miami Dolphins were going to make the playoffs. this actually year. Did. And so <laughs> far it's living up to that expectation. However, it's only two games. I'm not sold on them just yet. Let's see how they'll be better because they got, to me, they got the Super Bowl content. I still think they're Super Bowl, Super Bowl contenders this year, and that's the Buffalo Bills, and they got them this coming Sunday. So uh, we'll see where this Miami team lands. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see that the Bills and Dolphins match up. Of course, I'm a Bills fan, um, <laughs> so I, I'm, I've been very pleased with the way that um, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, they've all been performing through two weeks. They took two teams in the Rams, the Titans, that people thought they were going to, you know, it was going to be a close game, and they kind of embarrassed them both in, in primetime football. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's going to be a good game, but I thought that about the first two. So the Dolphins just can't let the uh, the Bills' defense kind of take over like they have in the first two games. Yeah. And, I know, I hope it's interesting. Uh, I'm going to talk about the boys versus the Bengals. I mean, it was it was a fun game. Um, Cooper Rush, 
I was going to say it, it's because of the red hair. I mean, <laughs> the luck of the Irish is behind him in that luscious hair. Or it's not really luscious. For the listeners, can you tell them what color hair. your hair you have? Oh, my hair is red. So <laughs> if Cooper Rush goes down, call me in, Jerry Jones, and I will put on the pads. I will read the defenses phenomenally. They had Andy Dalton in here. <laughs> he had red yeah. hair. <laughs> And at one point they did have that's fake red. That's fake red. And at one point they did have Jason Garrett too. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. That was a, oh, the good days. The good days. But anyway, going on this past game uh, against the Bengals, it was it was an interesting one to watch. But Cooper Rush, he did really good. I mean, he had uh, just over 200 passing yards. Oh my. Um, and zero interceptions. Uh, which, I mean, just the 200 passing yards alone is telling him that he was better than Dak in week one against the Buccaneers. <laughs> but one thing I will say is the Cowboys' rushing offense has seemed to be kind of non-existent in these first two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Ezekiel Elliott, obviously he's just progressively gone down since his first year. Tony Pollard, he's been decent. He's not as good yet as he was last year. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the rushing attack really needs some work. Defensively, they've done pretty good, I will say. Um, I mean, Dan Quinn, I think he has a great defensive mind. But uh, going to the Bengals side, you know, this past offseason, we were talking about how they really got better offensive linemen. That offensive line did not show up this game. I mean, they allowed six sacks on Joe Burrow. I mean, that's got to be hurting. He's got to still be sore from that game. And it's Wednesday now. So, I mean, uh, just... They, when you invest so much money in great offensive linemen like that, and they mm-hmm. perform how awfully as they did, uh, you just, just kind of question like, what what was the decision that we made? Was this a good decision? Blah blah. But uh, another cool thing that I want to point out is just how similar the Bengals and the Bobcats played this past weekend. So total yards, Bengals had two hundred fifty four. Uh, Texas State had two sixty eight. There we go. Passing yards, <laughs> the Bengal had a 165. Uh, Bobcats had 186. There we go. <laughs> Rushing-wise, the Bengals had 89. Bobcats had 82. So pretty much oh, the same offense. Yeah. So the now, they were both going against, the really good, were both going against really good defenses. But just a little stat that I wanted to point out since we were talking about both of them. Um, but, I mean, the Cowboys... They looked good with Cooper Rush. I'm interested to see how they'll go against this Monday night against the Giants. Yes, Paxton. Ooh, you know, I you okay. know, I, that's the game I was going to bring up, and I'm not even a Cowboys fan, okay? And the and, and the reason why this game caught my attention so much is it, you don't really see these stories these often. That this quarterback coming in after a huge star gets injured like Dak Prescott, and I'm gonna tell you, this is Cooper Rush's stats for the game. Um, he had 19. Uh, 19 catches, I mean, through 19 receptions, whatever. Um, He had 235 yards. Now, if you're telling me, Mm. if you told me a year ago that a man named Cooper Rush was going to throw more yards than Joe Burrow in a game, I mean, I, I mean, if you told me last year, I would I would have laughed at you. But no, that is the case, and I'm excited to see. I mean, uh, for the Cowboys and to see what they can do. I mean, next weekend. And and speaking of next weekend, I mean, there's some college ball guys next weekend. Some college football that many of us. Are, are interested in seeing next week. And I was just going to take a transition onto that side. What would college football games are y'all interested in this weekend? I know there's some big matchups. Which one's yours, Colton? Yeah, so my game that I picked out is a, a Big 12 matchup. Going to open up a uh, Big 12 play for both the Baylor Bears and the Iowa State Cyclones. Hmm. Uh, the Bears are 2-1. and one. The Cyclones are 3-0 and oh still. 
Uh, of course, Baylor coming off of that game against Texas State. Um, I think the Cyclones really got a shot to to make some magic here. Um, it's really a tale of two different offenses. Baylor with such a dominant rush game, you know, Richard Reese, 237 yards and five touchdowns already. But on the other side, um, Iowa State and you know, Hunter Deckers and Xavier Hutchison have, you know, performed so well. Xavier Hutchinson through three games already has 28 catches, 319 yards and five touchdowns. And I think in all of the other, all of the games so far, he's had at least 90 yards and a touchdown. Um, so it's going to be a good game. I'm going to give it to Iowa State as it is in or at Iowa State. Um, it's going to give Baylor a, a big test after maybe a little bit of a gimme game at Texas State. Yeah, that will be an interesting one to see. Um, I ultimately think Baylor will get it. I think Baylor has a little bit more experience on their side. Iowa State, they've got a new running back. They've got a new quarterback. They've mm-hmm. They still have the great mind of Matt Campbell. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if you look at their schedule, they really haven't played anyone. Uh, whereas Baylor, I mean, they, they've they played against a great BYU team. Ultimately, they lost. But they played against a really good BYU team. Um, and Baylor, I just feel like, has the more experience. But that will be a good one to watch. I, uh, I'm i rooting, really, for both teams. I, I, I enjoy watching Baylor and Iowa State both. As long as OU's not in the talks, then I'm good, <laughs> which leads me to my game of the week, which is OU versus Kansas State. Uh, and the reason why, most people are wondering why. I mean, it's Kansas State. <laughs> yeah, Kansas State is OU's kryptonite. I mean, they have won, I believe, three of the last four matchups. Um, and so that will be a really interesting game to watch. I will say, as a UT fan, I'm excited that it's this week. Typically, OU and Kansas State play the week before UT. Yeah. Kansas State wins. OU's ticked off. And then they go and bring it all out on UT. But now, UT and uh, OU have a little bit of a week between the two as far as this matchup. So, But uh, a good thing going for the Sooners is that it will be at their stadium at 7 o'clock at night. But Kansas State, I mean, come on. (laughs) <laughs> I'm pulling for the Wildcats. Uh, my next game, uh, if I had to choose, would be Rhode Island versus Pittsburgh. I think that's going to be a phenomenal. I'm just kidding. I'm messing with y'all. <laughs> I'm messing with y'all. So, uh, but yeah, so I'm excited. Darn, that was my pick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see that one. Oh, my goodness. So, okay. So, this week's, for me, this week's game that I think is going to be highly interesting for me, it's the Texas Longhorns versus the Texas Tech Red Raiders, and here's the reason why. Because anytime that I see Tech, first of all, Tech is having a great season so far, even though they've only played three games. Upsetting, beating Houston and Tech, that's that's pretty that's pretty huge. And this will be a big win for Texas Tech if they beat Texas. The reason why I brought this game up is because a few years ago, there was a young man who played for Texas Tech by the name of, My- of Michael Crabtree. Mm. who played for Texas Tech and who unfort- who had the game-winning touchdown a few years ago with one second on the clock and beat a very strong Colt McCoy Texas team. So I'm just getting flashbacks of that game, and I have a weird feeling and a strange feeling that Texas Tech might do the same, not exactly the same thing, but they're probably going to have a miracle win against te- Texas. I'm going to call it right now upset. Texas Tech beats UT. 
And that was that was a different tech team. Yes, it was. That was a <laughs> phenomenal tech yes, team. Yes, it was. Oh, that, that was an interesting year for the Big 12. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you picked two Texas teams, and I'm glad you're talking about UT. Might, you know, take the loss in this situation. And, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support that, and I'm going to talk about another Texas team taking a loss. And that's the game I'm picking, and that's, sec- you know, September at 6 p.m., uh, September 24th at 6 p.m., sorry. Arkansas Razorbacks are going to be playing the Texas A&M Aggies. Southwest Classic. And that's yes, two nationally is. ranked teams, okay? That's the 10th-seeded the Arkansas Razorbacks going to A&M to play the 23rd-seed team. Now, the reason I'm picking this game is because, truthfully, I don't care about either of these teams. <laughs> but the thing is, I know a Sunbelt team of App State, and App State beat Texas A&M yes, earlier this they year. Did. And that was one of the most electrifying Sunbelt performances I've seen in a while. They have been and known for that, Yes, man. and that is, I mean, they have. And I just love... You know, seeing other schools fall short and Texas State on top. But, you know, it's it's definitely interesting to see. Um, I, I'm really excited to watch. Uh, and I think, you know, with y'all's yeah. games, with y'all's games, I think, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's going to do great. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Woo Pig Suey, by the way. What Just, was his name? Uh, I said Woo Pig Suey. That's, yes. that's Arkansas. Uh, oh, I want them to destroy A&M. Really just kick A&M out of the top 25, kick them out of the playoffs. I'm tired of hearing about A&M. <laughs> so <laughs> I want Arkansas to just lay it down on them. That'll be the closing quote. They, of won, last, they won last year. <laughs> Arkansas wow, day. you stole my closing quote. <laughs> 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 well, that is going to wrap up this wild, <laughs> wild episode of Claws to the Wall. I want to thank Paxton Graff, Kobe Jackson, and Colton Gibson for joining me today. And I want to thank all of y'all for listening. Please tune in to more episodes of Claws to the Wall and Bobcat Radio, which is our other show, on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere you find your podcasts. And you can feel free to listen live on air to multiple of the games that we mentioned this week, and they will be on KTSW 89.9. But, yes, thank you for joining us with this episode of Close to the Wall, and have a wonderful one.